Uh, if you haven't figured this out from Caitlin's uh, video, my name is Eric Voss. I'm the Celebrate Recovery Pastor over at the Bridge Church, way over in Charles City, Iowa, guys. I'm excited to be here and share with you um, what God's been doing through CR at the Bridge, guys. So um, as we jump in this morning, I just want to let you know uh, it's, this is going to look a little bit different than a typical sermon. Um, at first, we are going to dive into some scripture. Uh, we're going to talk about the Apostle Matthew a little bit, and then I'm going to share my story with you, uh, my story of hurts, habits, and hangups, and kind of um, how I got to where I am today. And then I'm going to cap off and talk a little bit about what God's doing through Celebrate Recovery in the Bridge Church and uh, what God could possibly do through Celebrate Recovery near you. So as we kind of jump in this morning, um, I have an exercise that I'd like to, you guys to partake in with me. And what I want to do, have you guys familiar? I can't see you, so you're going to have to shout at me. It's super right up here. Are you guys familiar with what word association is? So if, like, if I said something like, um, milk, then the first thing that come to your mind maybe would be like cow or cookies or something like that. You guys know how to do this? Yes? Yeah. Shout at me. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. So we're going to do some word association this morning. I'm going to say a word, but I don't want you to shout at me, okay? Just kind of pay attention to the types of things maybe that come in your mind or the first thing that you kind of think of as I say these words. Can we do that? Yeah. All right, perfect, guys. So um, we're going to do some word association. I'm going to get in here, so just relax chill out. We're not in church right now. We're just doing some word association. Just breathe. Just breathe a little bit. Are you ready? Everybody relax and ready to go? All right. Summer. When, nope, don't shout it out. Don't shout it out. It might get a little hairy here pretty quick. Don't shout it out. Just pay attention. What types of things do you think of? Winter. Iowa State Cyclones. I had to do it, guys. I, I know the area. What about the Hawkeyes? Everybody still with me? Drug addict. Alcoholic. Rage. Bipolar disorder. Abuse victim. Pornography. Anxiety. Depression. Lust. Sexual assault. What about codependent? Adultery. Last one. Jesus. Now, guys, obviously this, this exercise was intentional, guys. And I, like I said, I intentionally didn't want you shouting things out, but I did want you to pay attention to what types of things went into your mind as we went through this, guys. So if, I could, if you could be honest with me, if you could be honest with the people around you, how many of you would say, you know what, I maybe attach something negative to that, or at least I know of something negative attached to things like that. I know I can. Okay, and we call these negative things, these negative connotations that we attach to things like drug addiction and, and codependency and abuse, we call these things stigma. And stigma is the mark of disgrace that's associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or, or person. We can thank Webster for that de definition. And we, know, we, we need to understand about stigma is that everybody has stigmas, myself included. I run a recovery ministry. I work with the people that are dealing with these issues I just talked about. And even I have stigma, okay? Stigma also prevents some people from getting into recovery, so I want you to pretend now that you're an individual that's dealing with something like depression or anxiety or abuse or something like that. And you're this individual, and I want you to ask yourself, why on earth would I attach myself 
to depression, to anxiety, when that means I'm attaching myself to that stigma? Why would I admit that I'm a drug addict when that means I'm homeless, I'm dirty? That means I can't get my life together. Why am I attaching myself to things like this? Why would I do that? And I think because these stigmas that we all have, because of these things that are unspoken, that are said without being said, a lot of people, they don't want to step into recovery for things that are right beneath the surface, do they? So instead of getting in recovery, we just act like everything's okay, don't we? Sometimes we just ignore that, that hurt and we keep it where it belongs or where we think it belongs, right beneath the surface, don't we? A lot of times we just put on that mask, we come to church and we say, you know what, I am okay. Every single time we do this, we're living less than God's best for our life. Every single time we're doing this, we're living less than God's best for our life. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're called to see beyond stigma, are we not? We're called to see the person that Jesus sees. And who does Jesus see? He sees the son and daughter of the king of kings, amen? So I think we can start this process of seeing beyond stigma, being, seeing beyond the hurt, habit, or hang up by understanding and seeing how Jesus sees people. And we're gonna look at a passage of scripture here pretty quick, but let me pray first. Let us pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So guys, this morning I'm gonna be in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. And something we do at the Bridge Church is we actually don't put the main passage of scripture on the screen. I think there's a lot of power in digging into the word. I think there's a lot of power in digging into the word as a body of Christ. So that's what we're gonna do today. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to go ahead and get that out. You guys probably can't read it. But if you have your smartphone, get your smartphone out. You can actually download something called the YouVersion Bible app. It's on the, the Play Store, the whatever you call the iPhone thing. I don't have an iPhone, so I don't even know what it's called, guys. But it is called the YouVersion Bible app. You can download that. I would love for you guys to follow along with me as I kind of dig into God's word and see what God has for us as it pertains to stigma, okay? I'm gonna be in Matthew 9. We're gonna pick things up in verse 9. And I am reading from the NIV version. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners ate with them and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. How many of you are familiar with the series, The Chosen? It's the following of Jesus' life. I know Mark is. Mark's gonna love this reference because he references The Chosen every chance he gets. But so in this series, they really shed light on what it's like to be Matthew, and they treat Matthew in a different way because it's profession, because of he's a tax collector. And what the Pharisee are saying, what we're going to pay attention to here first is the Pharisee, and what they say is, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? That's what they're saying. What they're meaning is, why are you eating with that thief? Why are you eating with that person that is less than we are? Why are you eating with the unclean and the unholy? Why are are you doing that? 
Now, the lesson we need to learn from this, that even 2,000 years ago, stigma is speaking between the words, isn't it? It's what they're saying without really saying it. But then you got Jesus, don't you? And Jesus understands what the Pharisee are saying, doesn't he? So if we pay attention, how does Jesus respond? Jesus says, ain't nothing but a thing. Ain't nothing but a thing. The healthy don't even need a doctor. The sick ones do. I'm not here for y'all. I'm here for them. See, Jesus can see right past the stigma. Jesus sees a sick person trying to get well, and Jesus sees a shepherd looking for a sheep, doesn't he? You know, not too long ago, I was a lost sheep looking for a shepherd myself. I needed a doctor, Jesus, to come in and fix my life. See, I grew up in a small town in central Iowa called Clemens. I doubt anybody here has ever heard of it. It's much smaller than probably Tiffin ever was. But anyway, um, I grew up, I grew up in a, what you would call a normal family. Um, nothing was too crazy, nothing too exciting on the surface. Um, I will say, um, as I kind of look back on that time in my life beneath the surface, as we're talking about today, kind of underneath, I did feel like I was a little bit um, off. I didn't really understand where I fit in life. I didn't really understand what group of kids I belonged to. I just felt different. Now, like any teenager would, I kind of ignored these feelings. I understood stigma at a very young age. I understand that there is something wrong, or at least I thought there was something wrong, with not being okay, isn't there? There's something wrong. There's some stigma attached to saying, you know what, I just feel off. Back then, it wasn't okay to say I'm not okay. So by the time I was 14 years old, I found other ways to kind of cope with the way I was feeling. I started drinking alcohol about 14 years old. By the time I was 15, I was smoking marijuana. And by the time I was 16 years old, I was using methamphetamine every single day of the week. So I landed in my first residential treatment before I even got out of high school. And I told my thing, myself things like, hey, you're just enjoying your youth. You're not addicted to anything. If you're addicted, that means you're the homeless guy in the street. If you're addicted, that means you don't have your life together. If you're addicted, that means you can't do anything about what's going wrong with you. So why would I attach myself to all that stuff? That wasn't me. I'm just a youthful kid enjoying his teen years, right? Now, since I'm standing here today, you may have figured out that I wasn't a youthful kid enjoying my teen years, was I? I was addicted to drugs, guys, and I'd spend the next 17 years of my life until I was 34 battling this thing that we all know is an addiction. And I'll say this, guys, there's a lot of things that kept me sick for a very long time, and I'm not going to go into every one of them today, but I will say this. Among the strongest things that kept me sick for so long was this stigma that I believed that if I ask for help, then I am weak. And I believe this, and this kept me sick and sick and sick. So instead of asking for help, instead of seriously looking for help, I pushed on. Put your head down and go. Put on the mask. I am okay. But I got married along the way. I had some kids, and instead of looking for help, all the stigma around me, I dragged my wife. She's here with me this morning. God bless her heart. I don't know why she stayed with me, but she is. We had a couple of kids, and during this 
time of my addiction, I just drugged my kids. I drugged my wife along for me. We're going to ride this roller coaster and ride this thing out because I'm too scared to ask for help because I'm strong. I don't need your help. So let's just pull them along with me. Now, during this time, there was people in my life, maybe the Department of Human Services or the Department of Corrections or, or my pretty wife right there would catch on to what was going on. They'd say, Eric, if you don't get better, we're gonna do this. And out of fear, I'd managed to stay sober for a little bit, but since I was so afraid to ask for help or admit that I didn't have this thing under control, eventually, every single time, I would relapse and I would start this cycle all over again. I want to talk to you a little bit about what changed in my life. Now, during this time, as this was kind of all going on, there was one gentleman that was able to see through the stigma that I carried. His name was Rich King. He was the pastor of a church over in Marshalltown, Iowa. And Rich could always be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. He always, always, always seen me for the person that I was and not the drugs I was addicted to and not the stuff I was doing, always. Some of you may have an opportunity to be that for somebody else. If, it, if, if that's you and you have the opportunity to, to be Jesus' hands and feet for somebody else, even right now today, guys, that's impactful for somebody. That can change somebody's life. So at some point, as I'm in my addiction, as I'm sober and, and, and then relapsing and sober and then relapsing, Rich showed, Rich showed me these words of Jesus Christ. He said, I don't know what you're looking for, but Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor the sick. And these words of Jesus stuck with me. When I heard these words for the first time or the second time or the 10th time, that, that scripture kept playing over and over in my mind, eventually something st stuck. And eventually I figured out that the church isn't even really full of a bunch of righteous people. The church is full of people in need of a savior, right? The church looks more like a hospital than anything else. So what if I could detach from my stigma and see myself as a sick person that just needed to get well? Now maybe that could work, right? We don't attach a stigma to people that are sick. I wouldn't see somebody coming out of treatment for cancer and think, man, that guy's gotta get a job. You know, that's insane. We don't have stigma for sick people. So why did I see stigma if Christ is telling me that I'm sick as well? Maybe that took the stigma out of the picture. So let me tell you what happened. In 2017, I got to treatment. I didn't particularly want to go to treatment at the time. I was deep, deep in active use, guys. Um, but I agreed to go. I went to a place called Prairie Ridge over in Mason City, Iowa. It was a 28-day treatment. And when I got there, I started doing things that Rich told me to do most of my entire life, guys. I didn't do anything too crazy. He said, hey, if you have a Bible, read it. Talk to God. Pray. Give this addiction to him. So through this process, I started discovering what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And someone told me that, hey, you can know Jesus just like you know your wife even better. 
And very, very quickly, Jesus Christ, through his healing power, started to restore my life. He mended my marriage. At the time, I was divorced from my wife, the same gal that's here today, and Christ brought us back together, and he restored my marriage, and we got remarried in 2018 after a year apart. At the same time, he started repairing relationships with my children. I got two, our youngest are 12 and 14, and they're very well adjusted, very, very good kids today. I can't believe after I, off the stuff I drug them through, guys, and that's only through Christ working through my family. So he started repairing all these things, repairing all these things, and I still thought about using once in a while, and then one day I woke up, and it was like, hey, I don't think about using anymore. I don't think about drinking anymore. All I did was start following Jesus, and he miraculously relieved me of an obsession to drink and use drugs. It was lifted. You see, what I found out is the loving arms of Jesus Christ, that doctor in that scripture was exactly what I needed to find freedom and healing. So that brings us to just a couple of years ago, guys. I'm gonna grab a drink here so we can pause. We got time. Anybody got anywhere to be? We good? All right. So a couple years ago, guys, I believe it was like in 2019, my wife and I had moved to Charles City, Iowa. We felt like, you know what, we need to get away from the places we were using in. We needed to get away from, we just needed a fresh start. So we ended up in Charles City in 2017 when I got out of treatment. In 2019, we were very plugged into the, the Bridge Church. That was our home. Just like, you know, if, if you're a regular attender here, guys, this is your home, right? These are your people. You can tell them anything. And we got really, really plugged in. There was a lot of power in that. And that's kind of where, I, where the obsession started to be lifting because I was really plugged into my church. And I love my church, guys. I still love my church. I love those people. About this same time, I was working on the building and grounds team. I was working in construction at the time um, at a place called Morton Buildings, I think. Maybe I'd moved. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I was working on the building and grounds team. Uh, I was pretty content, pretty happy. And there had always been this push at our church to start a recovery ministry. And I, I don't remember who approached me first. Maybe it was Mark who's here today. Maybe it was, was our, our, our senior pastor, Rob, Rob Williams. But um, I was approached about starting this, this, about helping start this recovery ministry. And I said, um, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. I was pretty happy in Narcotics Anonymous. I was pretty happy in Alcoholics Anonymous. I knew that it would take a fair amount of work to get this thing off the ground. I knew that it had been attempted in Charles City before and the person got really burnt out doing it. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't really think that is gonna be for me. It's a great idea and all, but that's not what, uh, what I wanna do. But sometimes God's spirit has a way of directing our paths, doesn't he? So as I remained obedient to Christ and, and listening, I finally, I don't wanna say cave because it wasn't like that, but I finally embraced the call that I believe God was putting on my life. So in 2019, what happened was we put a team of six other people together and we say, you know what, we're gonna go all in on launching a Celebrate Recovery. We call it CR, if you're not familiar with that, at the Bridge Church. And at the end of this month, we're gonna be celebrate two full years. So we got two full years done, we're gonna be starting our third year at the end of September. And what we're doing is we're helping people recover from their hurts, habits, and hangups through CR. 
We're gonna talk a little bit about what CR is. Can we go to the next slide there, guys? So Celebrate Recovery, CR. This is something, again, we launched in, in 2020. This will be two years, and we're gonna start talking a little bit about what this is. Is some people familiar with this? I know I was talking to one guy before he's familiar with what this is. So we're gonna kind of break this down a little bit, what CR is, what it does for folks in the program, what it does for your church, what happens in the community when you decide to, if you decide to, to do something like this. And allow me to kind of um, challenge you guys or give you guys with a thought before we jump into this, guys. Um, like me, I had no interest in doing this when we started. I felt like the Holy Spirit, God kind of nudging me in this direction the more I kind of processed this idea at the bridge. So if you're here, sitting here this morning and you feel God's Spirit start to press in on you a little bit in and, and one of two ways probably. Number one, maybe you're here and you got something beneath the surface that's been eating at you or that's been keeping you from God's best for your life. If that's you or... Maybe you've found some freedom, you've found some healing, and it's time to step out and help others find healing and freedom through Jesus. Maybe the Holy Spirit is pushing you in that direction. If that's you today, I got three other leaders with me today that would love to have a conversation with you. You guys should stand up for me real quick. Mark Jenkins, Teresa Jenkins, and Teresa Voss, my wife, they're here to, you know, if you just want to have a conversation, but they're more than willing to help you um, discern and dissect um, what God's Spirit is telling you or not telling you guys. Um, but we'll be around after service to kind of help you process through that if you would like. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the mission statement for Celebrate Recovery. We're going to break it down a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you about uh, what CR is, okay? So CR exists to equip the local church to provide a safe place for families to celebrate freedom from their hurts, habits, and hangups. Now what's unique about Celebrate Recovery and what we're going to look at first is that those three words, hurts, habits, and hangups. What I need you guys to understand right now is Celebrate Recovery is not just for people like me. Like, I'm an addict, I know that. I found some healing in Celebrate Recovery. I lead to Celebrate Recovery, but Celebrate Recovery is not just for drug addicts and alcoholics, it's not. In fact, only one in three people that go to Celebrate Recovery are dealing with an alcoholism or an addiction issue, okay? So at Celebrate Recovery, we talk about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. When we talk about recovery and celebrate recovery, we're talking about recovery from our hurts. Maybe that's something in our past that we've been holding on to. Maybe it's an abuse issue. Maybe our parent was critical to us. Maybe there is something that somebody said that we just can't get out of our mind. Those are hurts. We need recovery from those hurts. We also talk about recovery from habits. Now, that's easy. I got tons of habits, guys. For me, it was a habit of drug, drugs and alcohol. But we have to keep in mind when we talk about addictions, addictions isn't just drugs, is it? We can get addicted to pretty much anything out there. I have a food addiction I'm currently dealing with right now. I'm in a step study for. You can also get addicted to things like video games. You can get addicted to pornography, guys, and that is rampant in the church right now. It's a real thing. So when you hear addictions, let's not just think drugs and alcohol because there's a lot to unpack there. But we're also talking about freedom from hangups. And hangups are things like codependency or a need to please others. I met a gal last year in Dallas, Texas. Her hangup was legalism. She thought that she had to follow all these rules for God to love her. Hangups are also depression and anxiety. 
things like that. So when we say recovery, we're talking about hurts, we're talking about habits, and we're talking about hangups. Something we say at the bridge is celebrate recovery isn't just for addicts, it's for everybody. It is for everybody. Now, the second thing we're kind of going to look at through this mission statement is that word safe. Safe place. It is a safe place. If we put this in the context of the sermon we're listening to right now, we may say that celebrate recovery is a stigma-free place. CR is an opportunity for people to be what rich was for me. I can see past your hurt. I can see past your hang-up. I can see past your habit. And I can see you as Jesus does. And that's a sick person that needs to get well. I can be Jesus' hands and feet to some of the most hurting and broken individuals in our community. So how do we accomplish this mission statement? How do we go about this? How do we go about doing this? In Charles City, we meet every Tuesday night. You can meet on any night you want. It doesn't matter. But on Charles City, we do it on Tuesdays. Five o'clock rolls around. We open up the church, and we have a meal together. This is a free meal. It's cost-free. If I'm a suffering individual, I come in with my family, maybe my wife, maybe my children, whatever, and we just have a meal. We just hang out. This is one of the most crucial pieces of Celebrate Recovery because you get to know the leadership team. You get to know that recovery isn't super lame. Like when I got sober, I started to stop doing drugs. I thought life was gonna be boring. So this is an opportunity to say, you know what? We're not boring. We're pretty cool people. You know, we still live, we're, you know, and, 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 we're, and we're better for it. You know, so this is kind of an opportunity. It's low key. It's non-threatening. Plus, you don't have to worry about coming home from work, going home, getting the kids, trying to feed them and come. So it's just really, really practical too. We do it every single Tuesday, five o'clock. Come and eat with us. And I tell everybody, newcomers, when they come in, hey, come and eat. Sometimes they don't come till six. No, come and eat. Come and eat, come and eat, come and eat. We get to talk to you in a very non-threatening way. Then at six o'clock, we do something called a large group teaching. Large group teaching looks almost exactly like Sunday morning. We worship together. We pray together. We do announcements. We do a teaching around recovery, maybe about denial, maybe about powerlessness, maybe about gratitude, or we listen to somebody's personal testimony every single week. The last piece of CR is this open share group. In Charles City, that's at seven o'clock. And the open share group is just an opportunity for people to come in, to sit, and just share their heart or share their struggle. And my leaders get to listen and just have compassion. Now, right now you might be saying, oh, that sounds great. What kind of people come to celebrate recovery? Who, what kind of people are you serving? And I would say this, the people we serve at CR fall into two categories. Number one, they're new believers, right? Go to the next slide, guys. So CR is a means to an end, but it's a means to an end for two different type of people. Number one, for people that are already in the church. Sometimes there's people, I would bet there's people in this room that has got something. Something that's right beneath the service. Maybe it's been picking at you for a little bit. Maybe God's Spirit's been saying, hey, you know, you need, really need to do something about this. This is keeping you from what I have for you, okay? 
We get those people in Celebrate Recovery quite a bit, right? We call this the building up of the saints, right? We kind of work through this stuff together. And then there's that second group. That second group is always new believers, okay? These are people that are hurt, they're broken, they're suffering, they're beat down, and they just need some relief, guys. And sometimes they walk through our doors too. Whatever the case is, whatever brought you in, whatever group you fall into, and I don't like using the word group, but whatever, I mean, there's definitely a distinction of, of the, the type of people we get there, but whatever brought you through the doors, whatever your past is, our goal is to remove barriers, to get you to surrender whatever that is to Jesus Christ, right? Our end is Jesus Christ. CR is how we get you there. You know, our goal is to remove those barriers and figure out God's best for you. We do that through surrender, through admitting your powerless, through stepping out of your denial through all these things. But ultimately, in the end, we're getting you to Jesus. Admit it to him and find healing. That's what we do. And CR is a means to an end in that way. Last thing for you guys before I, before I shut up, I feel like I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, guys, but I do want to touch about the impact that Celebrate Recovery has had on our community, which is Charles City. So Charles City is a small town. It's about 7,500 people, and we are about one hour from any major, I wouldn't say major map, like Waterloo and Mason City. We're kind of sandwiched right in between Waterloo and Mason City. We're about an hour from um, either one of those communities. Now, why do I bring this up? So when I got sober, I mentioned I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, went, I mentioned I went to Narcotics Anonymous and all these different 12-step meetings. But the biggest meeting I ever kind of went to in Charles City was 20 people probably on a good day. You know, no more. No more than that. So when we started launching Celebrate Recovery, when we started talking about, hey, this is something we're going to do, I honestly thought, like, there's no way. There's no way we'll ever serve 40, 40 adults in our, in our community. Not in a community this size. There's, no, there, there's just no way. It'll never happen. And I thought if we did, I was like, man, God's really going to be moving. It seems I underestimated what God was going to do through Celebrate Recovery because Celebrate Recovery is really impactful for the community. Let me tell you why I think that is. See, CR can kind of cross denominational lines pretty easily. I have leaders in Celebrate Recovery, my worship leader, and I got some small group leaders. They don't even go to our church. We just cross right over denominational lines. And then what's kind of neat about this is if I go to the Wesleyan Church, or it's a Wesleyan Church, so I'm going to use this as an example. If I go to the Wesleyan Church and I have a and CR is at the Nazarene church. It doesn't matter if you're hurting, if you're struggling. I know that because CR is stigma-free, because CR is a safe place, I'm just gonna send you down there on Tuesday nights. Hey, that's place, they're finding freedom down there. Go check that out. I never considered this. I also have police officers in town. I have substance abuse counselors in town. They know that if somebody needs some extra support, they just give us a card. They give them a card and they send them on down. We're gonna see them on Tuesday night. So in that way, guys, we're being impactful for the community. We are serving our community through Celebrate Recovery. It's very impactful for Charles City. All right. So this is a lot, right? I'm gonna start to wrap up here, guys, and I wanna leave you with two thoughts, okay? The first is this. I'm not here to push CR at you. I'm not here to 
make you do this or, or, or make you do that or, or anything like that. That's not my intention. I don't work for Celebrate Recovery. I work for the Bridge Church. It's my intention to come here and share with you what God did through Celebrate Recovery at the Bridge. This is not Pastor Gettings' intention by asking me to come here. Okay, the intention of this is simply to start a conversation and see what the Holy Spirit does with it, okay? Now, because of the nature of this ministry, I will say this. Recovery ministry is a calling. God has got to call you to this. This isn't something you just decide, oh, we're gonna do because I think we should do it. Recovery ministry has to be a calling. If you're somebody that's been involved in ministry for, for any length of time or just for a short time, you know that, guys, ministry is a lot of work, isn't it? Ministry is work. And if you're called to that work, it's tough. Recovery ministry is especially hard, I think, because you're actively beating on Satan's gates. Aren't you? You're actively trying to get into the enemy's territory and take ground for the kingdom. He doesn't like that, guys. You need to put on the full armor of God when you do something like this. You gotta be called to this. It's gotta be something that the Holy Spirit, that God's saying, you know what, I need you to do this in your area. I actively ask all of our leaders to celebrate recovery. You know what I need you to do? I need you to walk into the mess of that individual. Last week, I had a guy that was loaded when he got there. Absolutely loaded, guys. We sat with him. We loved him. He had nowhere to go. We helped him get an apartment or a, a hotel room that he may sit and recover and kind of process things. I'm asking you to walk straight into that mess for those people. That, and that way, it's gotta be a calling. It have to. If it doesn't, this thing will chew you up and it'll spit you out. It has to be a calling. Lastly, as I already said, guys, this is not a small undertaking at all. Today, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on what it takes to launch something like this. We haven't begun to scratch the surface on everything it takes to get something like this off the ground. In Charles City, we took a year. It took seven of us a year to plant this thing before we even launched. We took a year of planting. But God's calling is God's calling, right? Let me tell you about how I met your pastor. Pastor Taylor. So last year I was at a conference called Exponential in Chicago, Illinois. This is a church planning conference. And during this time, I, I was having lunch with Taylor and we were eating a sandwich and I was talking to him about Celebrate Recovery. We were right out of year in. This was last November. And he's like, man, I'd love to have you come over to Infuse and talk to us about this, about what you're doing and, and just to see what the Holy Spirit does for it with it or what he does. Maybe he doesn't do anything with it. I just love to have you come and start an initial conversation. That's why we're here today, guys. It was at this very same conference that I was listening to a speaker on church planning and he was talking about how do we find people to, doing, to do this? How do you find people to run ministries? How do, you find, how do you even find assistant pastors? When you're doing the work of ministry, how do you find leaders, I think is what we call them here, right? We don't say volunteers, we say leaders. So how do you find leaders to get this thing off the ground, to make this happen? How do you do that? I forget this gentleman's name, guys, but I will never ever forget his words. He said this. He said, hey, if God has placed a call on your church, he's likely already given you the leader you need or the leaders you need to fulfill his mission. 
So if God's calling Infused Church to do this, the leader's probably in this room or watching online or in Cedar Rapids at that other church. So today, guys, we're gonna close with, Jesus, with the words of Jesus. I'm gonna read some scripture. You don't have to follow along, but I do wanna um, highlight this as the way we close today. So we're gonna stay, I'm gonna stay right in verse nine. I'm gonna skip down a few, cha- a few verses. I'm gonna go to verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. That's hurts, habits, and hangups, guys. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his work, out into the harvest field. So the question we're trying to answer today is, is Jesus Christ calling infused church into the harvest field of recovery ministry? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you see me through my mess. I thank you that you see others through our mess. And Father, I thank you for freedom, for grace, for mercy. Lord, I thank you that when it's me and you, I only have to be you. And Lord, as we sit and worship you, as we sit and listen to what your spirit has for us, as we sit and listen to what your spirit has for Infused Church, Lord, I just pray that if it your will, may we step out in faith and expectation that you're gonna do some pretty awesome things in Tiffin, Iowa. This is the powerful name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, guys.